0: People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with Infogold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Game week four of the Premier League season is here and it's time to take a look at those markets and see if there's any betting value on offer. Here to help is Jake Thorpe from InfoGoal. Jake, how are you? You've recovered from a a weird weekend of Premier League action? It was a little
1: bit of a strange one, yeah. So many uh, late penalties. Uh, Obviously, United scored one. Brighton, after the full-time whistle, had already blown. And then Newcastle, who... Didn't register a shot on target in the entire match, were gifted a penalty late on. So yeah, it's a bit a bit strange in that regard, but um entertaining nonetheless.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, a good weekend for Pinnacle's predictions as well. It was two from two for us with a, a rather safe over two point five in the West Brom Chelsea game, and then obviously that that minus one handicap for Liverpool against Arsenal. Um that was the game that that let you and info Gold down with the BTS no. Um, but your BTTS yes came in for West Brom and Chelsea, so we're we're both still in profit after three weeks, which is a a uh, an achievement nonetheless. Um,
1: <laughs> if we can keep it like that until the end of the season, I think we'll both be happy.
0: That's it. Um, in terms of the highlight games this weekend, Pinnacle's gone with Manchester United versus Tottenham. W- what's InfoGoal gone for?
1: Um, yeah, I'm going to go to the Emirates, Arsenal versus Sheffield United. Um, a really interesting game, and obviously. Many people who listen to this podcast know that Infragol isn't a massive fan of Arsenal, and I will be digging a little bit more into that when we get round to that match.
0: I'm intrigued to know where we're going. But uh <laughs> let's let's get straight on to the other games because we've got Chelsea versus Crystal Palace, and this is I mean, there's plenty of interesting games this week. Um I mean Chelsea haven't obviously had the the start to the season that they would have hoped for. Certainly some high expectations after all those transfers and whatever reason, it just it just doesn't seem to have clicked quite yet. I think you said before about does Frank Lampard know his best team? Obviously, they've had a few injuries to deal with as well, but it might be one that just kind of takes time to develop. Um, but they were fortunate to get a win against Brighton. They had a comeback win against West Brom after being 3-0 down. So they are four points from three games. But I think from their perspective, things could actually be a lot worse as well. Um, Palace, completely the opposite. They've had a great start to the season, given what would have been expected from them. Beat Southampton, beat United. They lost last weekend to Everton, but six points from those three games is a a pretty decent return for them. Um, The underlying stats maybe aren't quite so good for Palace and and we can probably expect them to, to drop down the table in the coming weeks. But Who knows, they could scrap their way to a few more points and stay up near the the top six like they did last season before eventually dropping away. But it's definitely an interesting one here. And despite their struggles, you'd still expect Chelsea to win this. And and that's exactly what the market suggests. They've got almost a 70% win probability with odds of 1.45. Palace just 13% chance because they're priced at 7.46. As I said really interesting game, one that Chelsea definitely have to win, but but what are your thoughts on the prices?
1: Um, I think the 1x2 prices in particular are, are, are spot on. I think the InfoGall models pretty much matches with the market um, straight across the board um, with Chelsea strong favourites to get the win, understandably. Um, but yeah, picking up on what you just said there, I mean, I've not been really impressed at all with what I've seen from Chelsea so far. I know they've had a lot of injuries, so obviously Chilwell, the new left-back, has, um, has only just, Recently come back into the team. Uh, I think he only played the Carabao Cup game at Spurs in midweek. Um, Thiago Silva's only played one game at, at West Brom. Hakim Ziyech is is still out injured and obviously um, Christian Pulisic, who was in fine form at the back end of last season, he's out injured as well. So they are missing a few key players. But yeah, I, I still believe in what I said last week in the fact that Lampard doesn't know his best team. He doesn't seem to be getting the best out of the players that he has at his disposal. I mean, to go 3-0 down... Um, at West Brom, a team who we think are one of the two worst teams in the Premier League, is you know it's quite catastrophic, really. And the way that the the way that that happened, obviously with <laughs> dropping Kepper um, and then Willy Caballero potentially, um well, not letting the first one in, but you know you would have expected a little bit better from that tight angle and, and that distance. And then obviously Thiago Silva makes a, a, a ricket and um, turns into Steven Gerrard. Before the um, you know the, the goal from a set piece, so there's there's loads of problems there defensively for Chelsea. I mean, you look at the xG total from the game, and you would suggest that Chelsea were unfortunate not to get the win, and 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 you know that that probably is a little bit the case because in the first half Chelsea did squander two big chances. I think if you remember, um, Abraham had one at the back post. There was a around a forty percent chance on our model, and then Timo Werner hit the crossbar, which is around thirty five percent. So um, it could have been totally different at half time had Chelsea taken the chances. Um, but yeah, you know it's a decent fight back. We'll, we'll all talk about the you know the, the potential handball from Mason Mount in the build up to the third goal. But nonetheless, uh, based on the chances created in the match, it was a fair draw. But that draws aren't really going to do Chelsea much good this season, I don't think, given the the quality of the teams around them. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot for Chelsea to improve on. Obviously, we know they've got the talent to do so. They were massively impressive last season, as we spoke about uh, week in, week out, based on expected goals, averaging over two expected goals per game, um, allowing just over one expected goal per game. Um, But we haven't quite seen that just yet. They've not clicked into gear just yet. And I think it will take time for these players to to bed in. Um, You know, 0.6 non-penalty expected goals away at Brighton is, is a really poor effort. Uh, 0.2 ex- non-penalty expected goals at home to Liverpool is equally as poor. And then obviously at West Brom, one of the worst defensive teams in the league, they've racked up 2.4 expected goals. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of... It's a, it's a work in progress, really. and um, I think we'll know a little bit more about Chelsea in the next four or five games when we get to uh, see a bigger sample size. As for Crystal Palace... Um, yeah, they were they were brought down to earth a little bit. I thought against Everton. Um, obviously, they had the unfortunate penalty themselves, which you know we, we're not going to be debating whether penalties were should or shouldn't have been given. But uh, it was a, a you know a debatable one. Um, but they didn't create enough in the game to uh, to deserve uh, anything from the from the match. 0.7 expected goals, which was the lowest xG total of the season so far. Um, prior to that, they averaged or they generated one point. Um, yeah, one point zero non penalty expected goals against Man United and one point six against Southampton. So, um, yeah, I'm still I'm still a little bit wary of Crystal Palace and, and over hyping them a little bit. But um, I was impressed with what I saw in both of those matches. It was just against Everton that they, they really did just get outplayed. And I'm expecting something something similar this in, in this game. I do think that Chelsea will uh, will get the win. We know Crystal Palace have the you know the counter attacking capabilities to really hurt any team um, that they play on the road. But it is worth noting that last season, away from home, they won just five times out of 19. They lost nine of those games. And they had um, an expected goal difference away from home of minus 19.5, which was the worst in the Premier League. So they were actually the worst travelling team based on expected goals um, in the Premier League last season. Um, And you know that's not just overall either. That is in attack as well. They they generated just 17.9 expected goals um, away from home. In seventeen, in, in nineteen games, so less than a one expected goal per game is what they averaged. And you know, from what I've seen so far, you know, it looks as though they're going to end up end this season averaging something similar. So um, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them draw a blank, um, given the fact that they they could well struggle to create. Although Chelsea are more than capable of gifting Crystal Palace a goal or two anyway. So um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting game. I think that. The market has got everything priced up pretty accurately. I think over two and a half goals is is likely. The um, market's got that 60%, model at 56%. Um, but we're a little bit in disagreement with, with the model uh, market in terms of the both teams to score prices. We've got both teams to score, um, yes, at 48%, and, and the market's got it at odds on 54%. So uh, we're suggesting, or the model's suggesting, that, that actually opposing both teams to score is the way to go. Um, there's a chunk of value there if you wanted to, uh, around 6% margin. Both teams to score now is, is odds against currently. Um, And I could see that happening. I really could. I know that Crystal Palace, you know, you look at this Chelsea defence and it just screams that they're going to concede. But Crystal Palace equally are far from potent um, on a regular basis in attack. So um if I were to pick a, a, a best bet, it would be both teams to score no just purely based on the value price. But I do think that Chelsea will come through this um, and and our fair price to do so.
0: Well I was actually um I was listening to the the Chelsea game on the radio at the weekend and it was interesting after the game and you always see it kind of fans calling for Lampard's head saying he should be gone and stuff like that. And just the <laughs> the difference that three games makes is is quite unbelievable. Yeah. But I guess I'd be interested to know from your perspective InfoGoal had Chelsea highly rated as a, a top 4 contender I know you yourself were thought that they'd they'd be there or thereabouts come the end of the season I know it's just 3 games now but has as much changed I guess one in terms of the InfoGoal model and the the small s- sample of data that we, that we've seen so far but then also perception wise from yourself and and how things haven't quite worked out just yet do you still do you still see them finishing in the top 4
1: yeah, so we've on the on the InfoGall app if you go to the Premier League um tables you can actually see the expected and forecast positions of, of teams um forecast positions obviously calculated by taking into account the points that the teams already picked up and using the ratings that we have in the back end for the teams it simulates the matches for the full season uh, and produces expected points and we currently still have Chelsea expected to finish in in fourth with um Manchester United in third Liverpool and City obviously dueling for the top two. But yeah, I, I don't think it's time to panic just yet if I was a Chelsea fan. Um I mean I would definitely you know I spoke we spoke about this last week. I, I I'm not a big fan of Lampard as a as a coach. I think he is overhyped and I think he got an easy ride last season. Um but then again all the underlying numbers were up year on year from Maurizio Sarri. Um, you know, there's no doubt in that. It was just poor finishing and, and bad goalkeeping and defending that that really held them back. And if they can sort those issues out, then Chelsea will be in there in and around the top four. Um pretty much as, as certainties in my opinion. I do think they've got enough quality to finish in the top four comfortably this time around. But if they keep playing the way they are, it will be a struggle once again and it wouldn't be a surprise if, if it did go to the final day because you know, they, they look leaky at the back. Um and they're missing big chances. Um obviously the the ones against West Brom were, were crucial in that game, in my opinion. Um, uh, but prior to that they had actually struggled to create. So um yeah, there's a lot for Lampard to think about. But I just think the first thing for him is really is is to is to pick a settled team and, and and settle on a lineup that he's happy with and that he thinks is his best team and you know, we've spoken about this before. I, I think that Kai Havertz has to be playing in the number ten position. I think he's an upgrade on Mason Mount. I wouldn't play Mason Mount personally. Um, and when Ziech and Pulisic are fit, I would play them either side of Havertz and um, and have Werner up top. And then you know, you've got a few decent players to pick from in in central midfield, probably Kanté and Jorginho. And before you know it, you've got a a decent looking uh, Chelsea team. So yeah, as soon as he settles on a on a lineup, Lampard, uh, the the better things we'll get for Chelsea.
0: Right. We'll get on to Everton versus Brighton. And I mean, speaking of Chelsea and top four, I guess it's not just about how well they do, but the teams kind of in and around them and chasing them. And Everton could potentially be one of those teams. I mean, we've had so many seasons of them being hyped as top six contenders or the one to break the top four only for them to go and disappoint. And although we are only three games in, this looks like a season where they could hang around that top six and maybe push on a little bit further. Obviously, three wins from three so far, 2.5 XG, four per game, just 0.76 XG against. It's unlikely that those figures are, or that, that good a figure is is sustainable, but they have got a lot of talent now, it seems, and certainly in terms of creating chances. And I think if if Calvert-Lewin is the, the elite finisher that he looks like, then it, it could be a really good season for them. Um, this game is probably going to be the hardest test for them so far. Brighton they haven't got the greatest of records after the first three games but we've just said about the Chelsea game they were very unlike unlucky there they then went and hammered Newcastle and and had to deal with hitting the woodwork was it four or five times or something ridiculous against Manchester United then they went and conceded that penalty after the after the final whistle as you said I think they're they're a team that many had in like a that quite large group of relegation contenders. But I mean, for me personally, after what we saw from Brighton last season in terms of their process and what we've seen this season, I wouldn't be surprised to see them pushing, pushing into the top 10 if they carry on the way they're playing. Um, The market has been buying into Everton though each week and and it's the same case here. Um, They've moved a little bit. They're currently priced at 1.787. So that suggests they got a 56% chance of making it four wins from four. Um, you can get Brighton at 4.83, which is a 21% chance for them. Um, again, it's a, it's a really interesting one. I think Everton are deserved favourites, but I feel like Brighton is going to be a little bit of a tempter here for a lot of people in the market. But but what does the Infogon model make of this one?
1: Yeah, I agree with what you just said there. I think that the price on Everton is too short. Um, I, don't, I think it's underestimating Brighton quite severely. I mean, you only have to look at their performances against Chelsea and Man United to th- to know that they are a serious team and they should be taken very seriously wherever they go and um you know they they won the non penalty xg battle against Chelsea quite comfortably absolutely hammered Man United racking up 2.9 expected goals to United's 1.9 with obviously the very late penalty accounting t- for 0.8 of United's total so um yeah hugely positive signs i would, exactly what you said there ben i mean we didn't really have Brighton anywhere near the relegation zone at the start of the season. We thought that they'd be comfortably in, um, you know, mid to lower mid table. Um, they're a fantastic team. Graham Potter has now settled on a on a lineup and a, and a formation that really does get the best out of them, and they play some lovely football and, and can cause any team problems. So it will be a tough game for Everton. And, and I, you know, the Info model I just think that they are too short at the prices we give them around a. 49% chance of, of getting the win which is around 2.05 odds against so no value at all in backing Everton based on, on our model um, you know for all of that being said they have been really impressive um, but I would you know you, the, the wins that they picked up against Spurs, West Brom and Crystal Palace you could almost caveat all three of them with Spurs obviously coming off the back of a European game on the, in the midweek um, and having to play on the, the first game of the season at, at home and against Everton, a really improving team. Um, But that was a very even game based on expected goals. It could have gone either way. There was a big chance each um, that was was missed. So, um, you know, while it was a good win on paper, it wasn't as convincing as what the media would suggest. Um, West Brom, I think they're just going to be giving away three points this season. So, can't read too much into that. And obviously, they played the second half against 10 men um, after Kieran Gibbs was sent off. And then obviously against Crystal Palace, they had that... Debatable penalty given um, their way, which arguably changed the match. It might put them two one up, two one up before half time and and you know they defended really impressively actually after that. Um, but it, you know they've had quite a few things go for them, and um, this is, I think, I agree with you. I think this is probably their biggest test so far because Brighton are, um, in my opinion, one of the better teams in the Premier League. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You mentioned there the the clinicality of Dominic Calvert Lewin, who is in exceptional form. Two hat tricks in six matches, if you count all competitions this season. Um, five goals in the Prem, uh, three point six five expected goals. So he's, he is pretty much performing um, slightly above uh, what we would expect. But he's getting on that an average of one point uh, three expected goals per average match, which is um, a staggering number. Obviously, we're only in a, a very um, small sample size with the, just the, th- the three games being played, but you know if he continues getting himself in in those scoring areas he could be in for uh, bagging an absolute hatful this season so definitely one a uh, player to watch um in terms of a bet in this one i mean the both teams to score is odds on understandably looking at the the recent results obviously a 5-2 or 2-1 brighton have been involved in a 3-2 and a 3-1 so uh, both teams to score is, is odds on. The model actually disagrees with this and thinks it should be odds against for both teams to score. Uh, but the bet I actually quite like is, is taking the under two and a half um, at odds against the Mock. It's got that around 47%, 48% um, for under 2.5 goals. And, and and we've got that at 55%. So there is a, a decent amount of value there in backing the under 2.5. We saw Brighton when they weren't playing a top four team uh, from last season. They played Newcastle away from home. Obviously, Newcastle are nowhere near as as good as Everton, but they limited Newcastle to no shots on target and just 0.6 expected goals. So they are capable of keeping things tight defensively. Um, As for Everton, they also showcase that they are more than capable of keeping things tight as well in that second half against Palace in particular. So, um, yeah, under 2.5 makes some appeal to me at odds against for sure.
0: Right, we'll get straight on to Leeds versus Manchester City. And... I mean, I was going to say a mixed bag for Leeds this season, but I think they've just been pretty lucky. The, they lost 4-3 against Liverpool, and even that was was flattering for them uh, from the opening weekend. We then had an equally strange 4-3 win against Fulham in game week two, and and that was pretty fortunate. And then we had a, a fortunate 1-0 win against Sheffield United last weekend as well. So there's, I think with them, there's a, a few people that expected big things from them and especially given that impressive record from the championship over the last two seasons. But for me, we're yet to see a, a really strong performance from them. And it's, you, you'd have to worry that if they keep on playing like that, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the, the top half that that people may be suggested. Um, they saying that they have, that they have managed two wins from three. So at least they've got some early results to build from, but there's not really there's not really much chance being given for them against Manchester City. Um, I think City only really have themselves to blame for that result against Leicester. Uh, th- three expected goals or just over three expected goals conceded. Over two thirds of that was from the penalty spot. Um, I know we're not here to to debate the, the credibility of penalties, as you said, but I think you have to say that each of those three probably were fair. Maybe the first one could be contested, but... I think worryingly for City, more so out of that game, was that despite the two goals that they scored, they didn't really look as good as they can be going forward. And you you have to think maybe Aguero not there, Jesus out there, they're they're using kind of Sterling up front and stuff like that. But they're going to want to come back and and put a decent performance in here because they really can't afford to be playing catch-up early on. We saw what happened last season with Liverpool. It's one of those ones that you you drop a couple of points early on and, and things could... Could get even tougher from there. Um, standard stuff as far as the, as far as the odds are concerned. A, a short price on Manchester City at one point three nine. A high total in the goals market at three point five. And, and money is coming in on the over. It's a seventy two percent chance of a Man City win according to the odds. Jake, do do you think that's a fair price?
1: Uh, it's a little bit too short. I think. Um, they don't usually say that about Manchester City, but um, the models price them up at sixty five percent. So um we're giving Leeds a little bit of a better chance than what the market is um and I, you know even even though like you said they have been a little bit fortunate so far this season um you know, on paper they've been excellent 6 points from 9 is is a really good start to the season but when you dig a little bit deeper you see that they were trounced by Liverpool on the xg battle um really fortunate to hit the net three times um, Fulham actually beat won the xg battle against them uh in their In their only home game so far, 1.4 to 1.9, obviously penalty each in that one. Um, And Sheffield United were very unfortunate to lose, I thought. I thought it was a very entertaining game. There was a lot of really good stuff from both teams, but um, it was only Bamford's late winner that that really... Well, it was only the fact that Bamford took his chance and and Sheffield United missed a couple that that Leeds actually um, got the win in that one. So... They have been a little bit fortunate, yes, uh, so far this season, but you know, I'm seeing quite a lot that I do like, which is um they're not afraid to have a go, and that is you know mainly from the high press that they deploy the man marking all over the pitch, which looks a little bit crazy, but um you know clearly it, it works, haven't given what they did in the championship last season, but this is going to be a step up for them. I mean, it's all right, man marking. Uh, no disrespect, but Sheffield United, but try and do that to Manchester City, a team that are very comfortable on the ball and will and pass through the lines quite comfortably. Um, it's going to be really difficult for Leeds. City, well, they were they were makers of their own downfall last weekend. Um, at 1-1, everything was looking yeah, pretty much in their favour. Um, I thought they were excellent in the first half an hour anyway. I thought... Leicester really didn't do anything in that first half an hour, City were massively on top, but as soon as the goal went in um, City's heads didn't seem to drop and then it was just a case of how many penalties could they give away, um, I think it ended up being three on the day, which is staggering, none of them for uh, a handball either, which shows you that there's you know there's massive improvements to, to be made to that defence um, and also the fact that they are very vulnerable if you get them in a one-on-one situation, so a lot to improve upon. Um, you know that we did speak about it last week. The fact that when they did play against Wolves, while they were in total control for uh, seventy of the ninety minutes, there was a twenty-minute spell where Wolves were fantastic and created plenty of good good opportunities um, to to get back on level terms and then ultimately uh, get a goal back. Sorry, and then ultimately they did manage that. So um, it, it does seem as though they are vulnerable, even though. It, you know the the perception is that they are controlling the game through half an hour. Um, they are very gettable. And I think that this Leeds team will be licking their lips at the thought of um, of pressing this Manchester City team and, and potentially forcing turnovers and, and scoring goals. So um, yeah, it's going to be an intriguing game. This and obviously it's teacher and uh, and disciple, Bielsa and Pep, going head to head, which will be another intriguing battle on the touchline. Um, but yeah, like you said at the top, I think the the price on Manchester City is a little bit too short, a little bit disrespectful to Leeds. Um, And, you know, the goals total is extremely high. 71% chance of over two and a half goals on the market, which is staggering, really. Um, And I think 49% chance of over three and a half goals on the market as well. So, yeah, really interesting to see this goal line. The model thinks that this is going to be a little bit, well, quite a lot lower scoring than, than what the market is suggesting. So we've got, um, a 69% chance of under three and a half goals. Uh, the market's at 51% chance of under three and a half. So you've got around an 18% margin there uh, with the model thinking that this this is going to be a much tighter game than what we've seen so far. And you know Manchester City are going to want to tighten up. They can't they don't want to concede five yet again. Um, Leeds obviously being extremely clinical in attack. There's every chance that they could um, con, you know that that they could see some immediate regression with with the finishing and not score at a rate that they have been recently. So, um, if I were to have a bet in this one, I think the under three and a half, obviously, is a massive value bet. Um, But I do think that this is going to be, um, it's going to be a really entertaining game to watch, but I don't think there'll be too many goals. I think these two teams will press each other enough to see um, the ball turn over quite a lot and and stay away from um, either goal.
0: I don't really want to ask the question, but I kind of feel like I have to, because we said with the Chelsea top four, three games, it's kind of silly to to kind of think too much has changed since then. It's even less with Manchester City, because there's only been two games, but we have seen a lot of activity in the outright markets. Liverpoolers have gone to favourites for the title. Has anything changed for you after that defeat to Leicester, or do you still think that, It's going to be very close. I think you said at the start start of the season, City were just edging it for you, but maybe the flip side is that Liverpool look just as good, if not better, than they did last season. So, how are you kind of feeling now about those top two at the the top of the table?
1: Yeah, if you remember uh, back to the season preview podcast, we said that Manchester City were deserved favourites, but the value bet was Liverpool. Um, And I think since then that the odds have flipped. So, Liverpool are now. Odds on, or even money to win the Premier League title. And and I think that's probably fair given the fact that, um, you know, they have looked exceptionally strong. They've got a couple of tough games out the way. You know, I I think Leeds is going to be a a tough game for every team this season. Um, Obviously, going to Stamford Bridge as well and and playing against Arsenal. So they've not had the easiest of starts, but they've come through all three games in pretty impressive fashion. Obviously, they've strengthened the squad with Thiago and Diogo Jota coming in. Um, As for Manchester City, I do think it's too early to write them off. I understand the the drift. I think that that's probably fair, given the fact that they looked so uh, defensively vulnerable um, in both matches so far. But you know, I think that what will determine Manchester City pushing Liverpool closer this season is is the fact is the injuries. I think if they can get Jesus or Aguero back fit after the international break, that would be key because they are struggling without a recognised striker. Um, they have brought in Ruben Dias, who's um, you know really solid centre half should improve that back line in, in there with with, with Laporte. Um, yeah, it's definitely too early to write Manchester City off after one defeat, but there's a big but. The way that Leicester played against them um, is basically the blueprint of how to beat this Manchester City team. Uh, and it's whether Pep Guardiola can find a way of putting a stop to that because every team now will be watching that tape and, and seeing how Leicester played. They played in a defensive mind at back five, but they sprung really fast with, um, you know, Really quick players and, and some decisive um, passes, as well as being able to have the you know the the, the brains to to get in front of defenders and, and force them into fouls. The likes of Kyle Walker making silly foul and Benjamin Mendy etc. So um, yeah, there's there's going to be there's a lot of work to do for Manchester City, and, and yeah, I think Liverpool are rightly favourites to win the Premier League title again.
0: Right, so we get on to Newcastle versus Burnley. You've probably gone from what is many people have down as one of the most entertaining games to, to probably one that's quite low down that list. I mean, I'm not expecting the most thrilling of, of games for a Saturday night with this one, but you never know. Um, Burnley have only had two games. It's, it's been a difficult start for them. The, the Leicester game was a bit of a weird one and then they, they almost executed their game plan to perfection against Southampton. Um, They did only rack up 0.49 XG, but they also limited Southampton to 0.55, which is no mean feat. Um, I don't think there's many in the league better at just soaking up pressure, containing their opponent and then creating the odd chance and taking it when they get it. Um, But it's going to be, I don't really know what's going to happen in this game because in Newcastle as well, they seem to be a bit unpredictable. They, They started the season pretty well at West Ham. They then went back to the team that we saw at the start of last season against Brighton and just capitulated. Um, they probably deserved a similar result to the Brighton one in the in the Spurs game, but somehow that stayed 1-0 up until the last minute. And and then they were the benefactors of one of those farcical penalty decisions as well. Um, I'm not too sure how it's going to play out. I think Newcastle have to take the game to Burnley. Um, but I feel like we could see a very cagey match where no, n- neither team really commits too much in terms of the attack. Um, the total goals is, is probably the most clear indicator of that as well. It's set at 2 and 2.5. The under has taken all of the action. Um, with the 1x2, we've got Newcastle as the favourites at 2.51, but it's pretty close. Um, their odds give them a 49% win probability. Burnley on 31% at odds of 3.13 and, and the draw is available at 3.2, which is the remaining 30%. Um, I guess two questions really is, do you think this is going to be an entertaining game? And, and secondly, do you think there's any value on offer in this one?
1: Uh, no and yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what we saw last week from Burnley was, um, you know, it, it was pretty drab, wasn't it? I don't I think anyone who, if you know, if you have access to BT Sport or Premier Sport or whatever, if you were watching Southampton Burnley instead of Betis Real Madrid or um, Inter Milan Fiorentina, I think you, you drew the short straw. Uh, it was it wasn't the best game of football. Um, and I'm not expecting anything other than the same in this match. Really, I mean, Newcastle have been um, woeful, like, in my opinion. Uh, you know, they started with such promise at West Ham. Won that game very comfortably and, and deservedly so, but but with all that expectation after that win, to get trounced by Brighton at home um, was a, a really poor result. Three 0 they lost at home, and and obviously then they went to Spurs and uh, were given a get out of jail free card by the referee and the, and the VAR right at the end of the uh, at the end of the game after being peppered for ninety minutes. I think it was three point five expected goals that Spurs racked up. Um, And Newcastle have managed just 0.3 expected goals up until the penalty was given. So it looks like the same old, same old for for Newcastle. Obviously, last season, we spoke about them um, a lot. The fact that they were massive uh, over-performers. They finished bottom of our expected goals table on expected points. Um, One of the worst attacking teams in the league based on expected goals. Uh, And one of the worst defensive teams. And it it looks as though that, that that trend is continuing, which... You know, we, we we spoke about it pre-season. The signings that they've made, a um, you know, in my opinion, are really good. But I think the manager is really not taking the best approach with this team, and I think that's why they are playing in the manner that they are, and, and why they are getting the results that they are, which is you know very unpredictable and temperamental. Uh, Burnley will be fancying the chances. I'm, I've no doubt about that. I think that the you know Burnley all, always seem to be under underestimated in the market. If you remember back to last season, they went off. Um, second favourites in pretty much every game post-break even at home against relegation threatened candidates so um, the market doesn't have much love for them Uh, Burnley they're not a very fashionable team to back Um, and and that's why we we think that they they can be a really good team to follow from a betting perspective because you know uh, there's usually a huge amount of value based on what our model um, suggests they were really impressive last season were Burnley. Um the average 1.4 expected goals at four per game, 1.5 expected goals against per game, which was a solid mid-table process and, and an improvement on the season before rightly finishing the top half. Um and although they have had quite a big um you know turnover in, in, in squad with the likes of uh, Lennon, Hendrick, etc. leaving due to the contracts running out. Um, They are starting to see a few players come back from injury, like Ashley Barnes, which is a huge positive for them. Um, He's been missing for quite a while now. He will give them another option, I think, if you remember to that Southampton game last week. They had four youth team players making up their bench. So they are just low on numbers at the minute. But there is quality in that squad and in that team. And I do think that Burnley are, again, underpriced to get a result here. Um, The market's got Newcastle's narrow favourites. The model, we've got Burnley as narrow favourites. We're giving them a 37% chance of getting the win compared to 31% on, on the market. Um, and I, it's a bet I like. I do think that Burnley have got the capabilities to go to Newcastle uh, and pick up a win. The over-under is spot on um, in terms of how the market and the, and the model are priced up. And the same for both teams to score. But yeah, the big discrepancy really is is the fact that Burnley are again being underrated and underestimated. And, and you know hopefully we can make it pay again this week.
0: So you like Burnley in this game and I know we kind of laughed off those relegation odds and stuff like that at the start of the season. I mean, it seems like time's running out for for Tarskowski to to move on. I, th- I feel like that's going to be really important for them to keep hold of him. But again, caveat of small sample size, but no no alarm bells ringing or anything like that for Burnley maybe dropping into that relegation fight?
1: Not for me, no. Um, they were pretty good against Leicester, I thought. Um we won the XG battle in that in that game actually in their season opener, um, and only narrowly lost the XG battle against Southampton with Southampton creating just one decent chance and scoring it. So, not time to panic at all. Um, just to read off the injuries that they you know they've had recently: Ashley Barnes, Robbie Brady, Johan Goodmanson, Jay Rodriguez, Jack Cork, James Tarkovsky. That's pretty much you know the spine of their team really. If you think about it, Tarkovsky, Cork, and Barnes in particular play regularly. Um, you know, I think Tarkovsky's going to be back for this this game. Barnes also got 60 70 minutes in his legs on uh, in the Carabao cup and all that really means is is that um in my opinion Burnley will only get stronger as the season progresses so for me no doubts about them uh, going down just yet i think that they'll they'll um yeah they'll they'll get they'll improve as the season progresses undoubtedly and and i think that for Sean Dyche in particular this this game really is um you know it's, it's one that he will be looking for or looking at anyway and thinking that you know, even a point would be a decent result. And you know, if you want, if you weren't so confident about a Burnley win, then Burnley or the draw is also a, a value bet based on the model. So, yeah, just just it just goes into into what we're saying about Newcastle over the last year or so. The fact that they just you know be, they be their underlying process really is the worst in the Premier League. And um, you know, unless that changes, then Newcastle will more than likely regress to that position of, of in and around the relegation zone so at this at this moment in time through what, game week three I am still more worried about Newcastle than I am about Burnley
0: right well we now we'll move on to Leicester versus West Ham our next game and I don't even know where to begin with this to be honest I think we had two of the, the strangest results that we'll see all season within a couple of hours <laughs> of each other over the weekend um, Leicester got just the three penalties against Manchester City as we said and um, it executed a good game plan against them, as you rightly said as well. Um, West Ham haven't been great going forward. They, they tend to struggle at the back. They put up 2.74 expected goals against one of the best defences in the league and gave up just 0.61 for a 4-0 victory against a Wolves side who have been incredibly consistent over the last two and a bit season. So no idea what is going on there. But I guess if we look outside of that... The, the defense here is is certainly isn't the strong suit for either team. Um, Leicester much stronger than West Ham at the back, but they do tend to leave themselves open now and again, um, or at least they have done since the middle of last season. Um, West Ham have have been one of the leakiest defenses in the league. Moyes seems to have now sacrificed the the creative flair to to, to try and shore things up. I mean, we're not seeing people like Yarmolenko or. Lanzini or Anderson kind of get much game time in the Premier League. Um, Leicester are also much stronger going forward. But since the restart last season, West Ham, they haven't been too bad at all. Mikel Antonio has been doing really well. I think if they got the win, they probably deserved against Arsenal. This season would be looking a lot different for them already. Um, Very strange to see on the the info goal expected table, I think it's the first time I can remember West Ham's expected position being higher than their actual position for for God knows how long. Um, but it's one here where the goal market probably jumps out for most people, I think. Um, Pinnacle's at 2.5 and 3, and it's still the over that's that's proving the most popular bet. Um, as for the 1x2, Leicester 1.657, so around a, around a 60% chance of the win for them, Um West Ham are just down at 20% chance. What are your thoughts on this one is there is there any chance of West Ham keeping progression and or will it just be just that that straightforward win for Leicester that that most people seem to expect?
1: Um no I think that there, there is definitely a chance for West Ham getting a result here. Um the model's priced up same as the market. So, you know, we we think Leicester are probably going to result as as winners, giving them a 60% chance. But, yeah, really impressive what I've seen from West Ham, especially over the last few weeks um, and post-break, obviously, because they were really impressive post-break. Yeah, Leicester were, you know, benefits of a a really good game plan against Manchester City. I thought Brendan Rodgers did play his hand really, really well. Um, Got a deserved win, obviously, racking up five goals. They've now scored... 12 times in the Premier League already, which is um you know really impressive feat, obviously playing against West Brom, Burnley and Manchester City. But I was a little bit skeptical of them ahead of that Manchester City game just to see where they were at. Because so obviously the, the, the win against West Brom is pretty much a, a given at this stage, given what we've seen from West Brom. Uh but the performance against Burnley wasn't as 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 good as the result would suggest. And and obviously um, you know, the bigger test was Manchester City and the fact that they went there not only the fact that they won, the way that they won and, and the fact that they only limited Manchester City to 1.46 expected goals is is really impressive. Um, obviously, it's an undermanned Manchester City team. We have to put that caveat in, but uh, nonetheless, it's a fantastic uh, win and, and it was one that sort of laid down a marker to say, don't forget about us. You know, it wasn't... Leicester only missed out on the top four last season by about two points in the final couple of games of the season. So, um, you know, they're basically just saying that we're still here, we're still hanging around and... Uh, you know, All of a sudden, they're prob- probably in quite a few people's thinking of, of crashing the top four once again. Um, if they're to do that, I think that they would probably have to win this game because um, you know we all saw what happened to them last season. They set off like a house on fire and then fell away. Um, that could happen even more dramatically this season because they've got Europa League football to look forward to, having to play Thursday, Sunday, which um, comes into effect, I think, next month. So, yeah. Pretty big game for Leicester to keep that momentum going. Um, the fact that they're creating chances and obviously winning penalties, which, um, like I said, they've won five penalties so far this season and, and none of them have been for um, you know a dodgy handball call. So, uh, they're winning the penalties by getting in, in good scoring areas and being fouled and that, that's something that I think will likely continue if Leicester keep playing the way that they are. But, yeah, there's, there's plenty of positives for West Ham also. You know, they should really be sat on six points. Unfortunate not to get at least a point against Arsenal in the game previous. Um, 2.3 expected goals to 1.3 in West Ham's favour. Um, so, it should have read 2-1 in, to West Ham, that scoreline, really. Um, but, yeah, the, the performance against Wolves was sensational, really. I don't think anyone saw that coming. 2.7 expected goals and just 0.6. So, yeah, really impressive stuff from West Ham. Uh, obviously, no David Moyes at that game. Alan Irvine, um, well taking his place on the touchline and, and reporting in. So, um, yeah, it, it really impressive what, with what I've seen from from West Ham post break in particular. I think that David Moyes has got them playing in a really strong manner. Um, they look a little bit more mobile in attacking areas. Obviously with Michel Antonio, who you mentioned already, and, and he's going to be a massive threat to to Leicester. He's already scored. Uh, well, he should have scored a couple more than than what he has, but he continues to get in good scoring areas. And and I think that these two teams are, are really in form, especially in attack. And you know, for me, goals is where I would be looking in this. I think both teams to score is priced up pretty accurately with what the models suggesting. But over two and a half, we're giving a sixty-two percent chance of, of over two point five goals at the King Power. Markets at 58%. So there is a small bit of value there in backing the over two and a half goals, albeit at a very short price. But, you know, I, I do think that we could be in for another high scoring game as two teams that are, you know, in form attack, uh, in attack. But defensively, I mean, Leicester in particular have conceded twice in the last two matches. West Ham let Newcastle create a couple of decent chances and, and conceded twice in that game. Uh, and, you know, although they look defensively sound against Wolves. I do think this is going to be a bit of a stiffer test. I think Leicester are a little bit better attacking team than, than Wolves. So, um, yeah, over two and a half, it, for me, is a really good play in this.
0: Right, on we go to Southampton versus West Brom. and Southampton, for me, they've been a bit disappointing so far this season. I probably said exactly the same thing last week and kind of expected them to to almost come out flying against Burnley. And although you have to give credit to Burnley in the way they they limited... Uh, Southampton to just 0.55 expected goals. It's, I mean, when you're playing against a team that are missing quite a few key players, as we've already said, and they've got Che Adams and, and Danny Ings up front, a very kind of stable midfield. It's you, you do expect a lot more than that. And obviously they did get the win, but for me, they just, they need to improve if they're to, to even think about kind of top half or, or top eight, which is where we were kind of pitching them at the start of the season. Um, West Brom are another team that definitely need to improve they raced into that lead against chelsea and as we've already said on the, the the balance of play it was probably a fair result in terms of a draw but i um, mean if you're west brom and you're coming out of that you're absolutely gutted to not have taken 3 points i think especially after they lost those opening two games that that confidence boost would have really been massive for them um i think on paper it's going to be difficult for them here as well i'm i'm not too sure about southampton now i mean i know we're only a couple of couple of games in and it's early on but If they don't play in this game to the level that they've shown they're capable of last season, you have to wonder when things are going to kind of get back to normal for them and and when they do bring those performances up to scratch. Um, The market thinks they'll get the job done here pretty easy. Their their odds are 1.781, so that gives them a 56% win probability. Uh, West Brom get 21% chance with their odds of 4.7 and one with a a slightly surprising total for me, a little bit higher than the average at 2.5 and 3. Um, so, do you think there's going to be goals here, Jake, or is it one to maybe go against the market with that, or or maybe even more about the one x two than the goals? What are you thinking? Um, I think that this is a, a game that's very well priced up. Uh, Southampton rightly strong favourites, mainly due
1: to what we've seen from West Brom, as opposed to you know impressive performances from Southampton, as you've mentioned and as for the goals i think the you know the main drive for the goal line being so so high is because the west brom looks pretty vulnerable defensively um, in pretty much every match so um yeah it's a, it's a very well priced up game this one um in terms of value there isn't too much on offer actually which um, yeah it's a little bit disappointing because i was hoping to see uh, southampton to win and both teams to score at a bit of a bigger price than what it was um southampton as you said uh, they were okay against Burnley. They got the job done. Um, I think it was, it was chalk and cheese for a reason from what we saw uh, the week before against Tottenham. Obviously, they got shredded on the counter-attack uh, by Spurs. And I think that Ralph and Hasenhutl just wanted to tighten things up a little bit and did a very good job in, in, against Burnley in making them a bit tougher um, to break down. Conceded just 0.5 expected goals against, which was a really solid performance. And I think that if they can maintain that level in, in, in defence... Over the course of the season, they'll be absolutely fine and comfortably in mid-table once again. The issue was, though, given the fact that they went more um, defensive-minded, they didn't create as much. Now, this is a perfect game for them to get their attacking mojo back. Uh, West Brom conceded uh, 11 goals in three matches so far this season. Three to Leicester, um, two really clumsy penalties in there as well. Conceded five to Everton and and 3.8 expected goals. And then, obviously, against Chelsea, they were... Yeah, they'll have been kicking themselves. Um, uh, the, to be honest, there, there's not much more that slavan Bilic could do, really. He was, he'd set his team up in a 5-4-1 formation um, at the start of the game, the race into a 3-0 lead, and, and even with pretty much 11 men behind the ball, Chelsea still found a way of getting through. And I, I just think that's the, the, the quality gulf uh, between West Brom and the rest of the Premier League, or in particular on that day, West Brom and a, a top-four challenger. Um, that's going to be the case in most of their matches this season, unfortunately. I don't think they've done enough in the transfer market to strengthen and, and really help their chances of surviving. Um, it could be a long old season for them. And, and like I said, defensively is is them, one of the main issues. The other is, is the fact that they're not creating that many chances. I know they've scored five times this season, but those goals have come from, um, you know, I think 0.8 expected goals against Chelsea. They scored three times, 0.35 against Everton, and they scored twice. So they're scoring low probability chances, which is, very unsustainable um, over the course of the season, as you'll have heard us speak about um, you know, quite a lot on this podcast. So it looks bleak for West Brom. Uh, it's a really good game for Southampton to, to get back on, on track and, and play in a manner that they would expect to and perhaps rack up a score. Um, as I said previously, that the, the market is priced up very well, um, very tightly. Southampton, are, um, we're giving them a 51% chance. So um, the odds that you quoted earlier, we're a little bit, um, or we don't think they've got a greater chance as what the market's suggesting in, in the 1x2. And as for the goals, it's exactly the same. Over 25 is at 51% um, on the model, 53% on the market. Both teams score exactly the same. So um, if anything, that the, the minor value play is going to be opposing goals. But personally, I wouldn't advise that at all. And, and instead, I would potentially look at, um, at a goal scorer and the obvious one that springs to mind is Danny Ings. I mean, he's the only one that's person in Southampton's team that's scored a goal this season so far. Three goals from 1.58 expected goals, just picked up from where he left off last season. Uh, 0.52 xG per average match. He's in fine form. And I do think that if Southampton are to score, it will probably be Danny Ings who gets a goal.
0: Great. Well, now we've got Arsenal versus Sheffield United and we've got the info goal highlight game for this week now. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see to see where you're at on this one. Um, Arsenal fans, I think, would have been loving life after that first weekend of the season. I think now we've had a few more games and you kind of look at the context. I think that win against Fulham maybe doesn't look as good now as it as it once did. I think, one, because Arsenal have, have dropped off a little bit um, and two, because, I mean, it looks like any team in the league is capable of doing that to Fulham now and, and even as we saw against Brentford, teams in the league below are capable of doing it. So, Maybe not so much value in that that easy comfortable win. West Ham were the better of the two in in their game against Arsenal as well. Liverpool outplayed them, um, but it is still two wins from three for Arsenal. If they get another one here, it they'll they'll look good in the table. Potentially more of that papering over the cracks before a, a little fall from grace. But I think we have to give Arsenal their time and, and see what they're about. They are kind of improving slightly under Arteta, so it's it's just an interesting one to watch for me. I think for them. Um, for Sheffield United, I think something needs to happen soon. Uh, it is obviously quite the contrast to last season in terms of their results, three losses from three so far. Um, but I think also it's important to note that, unfortunately for them, it's they, they probably deserved a bit more than that in, in two of their three games. The one against Wolves was they were comfortably beaten, but they could have done more against Aston Villa um, and then against, uh, who was it they played? Most oh, Wolves they played in the opening day and then... Uh last time out Leeds. Yes, they could have done more against Sheffield. They should could have done more against Aston Villa and Leeds last time out, but you can't really afford to start slow in the Premier League and, and if they keep they keep the performance levels up and they they maybe get the slice of luck that they deserve, things will probably start to turn around for them. Whether that happens here or not, we'll have to wait and see. But but Pinnacle does have Arsenal at one point five five five, which is a a 65% chance of the win. I can, I can almost see you wincing, Jake. Um, I'm grinning, that's <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> Sheffield United given just a 15% chance to get their first win of the season with their odds of 6.71. And we have got a low total here at 2.5 as well, but it's, it's pretty split um, across the over and the under. Come on, Jake. You you teased us at the top of the show. Are you going against Arsenal here, or, or are you looking at the goals markets instead?
1: Um, I would happily go against Arsenal in this game, but I do think that the better value uh, it is with the goals market. I think that I think the the high goal line. Um, I think over two point five is a little bit too high and is priced a little bit too short. So I'll be taking the under two and a half. And yeah, there's many reasons for that, obviously. You know, you'd look back to last season, Sheffield United are an extremely stubborn defensive unit, Thirty-eight goal, 39 goals conceded, sorry, in 38 league games last season. Um, obviously, away from home, they were an extremely tough team to beat. That's sort of carried on this season. I mean... I, the against wolves they weren't that bad if you exclude the opening 6 minutes where they went down to uh, 2-0 very early um that game was very even after they went 2-0 down um against villa they were down to 10 men after 10 minutes pretty much limited villa to just one expected goal and, and no big chances um and against leeds i thought they were they were really good won the xg battle 1.7 to 1.3 um but were done by a late sucker punch from patrick Bamford um who gave leeds the win um so you you know i think that since the start of the season, Sheffield United have obviously lost three games in a row. They haven't scored yet. Um and their price they've been moved into the third favourites to be relegated from the Premier League. And I do think that that's a massive overreaction um towards a team that is well finished in the top half last season. Um, you know, there's there's no mistaking that, that and, and the the performance levels, the underlying process from last season was was that of a top half team. They deserve to finish in there. So um I'm expecting at some point in the near future um, Sheffield United's look to turn and them and, and to start picking up results and you know if you take a little look, closer look at those the games that they have played I mean Wolves at the start of the season we expected them to finish fifth so that's a really tough game Aston Villa if you look back um, post break they're one of the best defensive teams in the league um, and you know I think they, they ranked around fifth or sixth in our expected points table post break so that's a tough game and then obviously against Leeds we were expecting them to actually finish above Sheffield United this season in our forecast table um, so And, and you know, everyone's expecting them to continue causing teams problems. So, it's not been an easy opening schedule. And now they obviously travel to the Emirates. But, um, you know, it's worth noting that last season they played twice against Arsenal. They won 1-0 at at Bramall Lane and drew 1-1 at the Emirates. And Mikel Arteta was in charge for that game at the Emirates. Um, The other reason I'm taking the Unders is is because of Arsenal um, and that I'm not really sold on their attacking capabilities, really. Um, Obviously, we saw them get schooled by Liverpool on Monday night. They were... Second best for pretty much the entire game, the second week in a row that that's happened. Obviously, West Ham were thoroughly dominant, in my opinion, um, at the Emirates in their last home match, racking up 2.3 expected goals to Arsenal's 1.3. And yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. The the, the, the really comfortable and convincing win at Fulham is looking less and less impressive as the weeks go by and Fulham get beat more convincingly. So, um, yeah, I'm not sold on Arsenal at all just yet. I do think they are improving. But they're improving slowly, um, and not at a rate that many pundits and, and media and journalists are, are, are sort of perceiving their improvement to be. Um, you know, if you flick down to the bottom of, you go to the match screen on Infogol, you can see the um, expected position compared to actual position. And, and even though we're only three games into the season, Arsenal sit fifth; their expected position is ninth. Sheffield United sit nineteenth, and their expected position is eleventh. So we don't think there's too much between these two teams. Um, so far this season, obviously, with ex- in terms of expected points. And I think that both teams have probably had an equal, equally difficult opening stretch um, in terms of fixtures. So um, I think it's a fascinating game. I did a little bit of digging into Arsenal's numbers as well. Um, the Since the start of the new season, only West Brom have created fewer chances per game than Arsenal. Arsenal have created just eight chances per game um, since the start of the season. And actually, since Mikel Arteta took over in December, uh, no Premier League team has created fewer chances, um, non-penalty chances, that is, uh, in the Premier League than Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal have created just 217 chances since uh, Boxing Day and that equates to around 9.4 per game. So they don't create a lot, do Arsenal. Um, and the reason that they've picked up so many good results recently is because they've been extremely clinical with the chances that they have created. Uh, and that isn't a really su- sustainable way of playing. Put all that together, Sheffield United stubborn defence, Arsenal's, perhaps lack of creativity uh, and I do think that we could be in for a very low scoring affair um, these two teams play very similar systems now as well with a back three so there could be quite a, a you know, cancelling out um, effect happening uh, and I do think that the unders is, it makes great appeal 55% chance on, on the model 50% on the market so you've got a decent um, margin uh, there in terms of the 1x2 We've got value in opposing Arsenal, as you might suspect. Um, I think they're a little bit too short, once again. I think they've been too short in all of the matches so far this season. 61% on the market, 52% on the model. So if you were to get on side with Sheffield United or the draw, I wouldn't put you off one bit. I could see this being a 0-0 or a 1-1. Or maybe even a a narrow 1-0 win either way. But I do think that Sheffield United have been underestimated and Arsenal have been overestimated
0: well i think it's going to be a, a straight shootout jake cuz pinnacle's prediction for this one is the over 2.5 so it's <laughs> going to be interesting to to see what happens there obviously as as we say every week these these will be published out on twitter and we're going to we're going to keep tracking them so head to head this week in more ways than one we'll have to see what happens in this game um we'll move on to wolves versus fulham and we've already talked about wolves result against west ham and I mean it just looks like an anomaly I think they they're normally pretty consistent so it's it's a real strange one for me um they did start well as we just said against Sheffield United comfortable victory lost to Manchester City lost to West Ham and and all of a sudden it's it's almost like they need to put a bit of a run together to to keep up with those pre-season expectations that that people held them in such high regard um Fulham were probably the opposite of that they were one side who most people didn't really expect much from at the start of the season and if anything, those expectations now were probably set even lower. Um, three games, three losses, ten goals conceded. The underlying numbers suggest it isn't quite as bad as that, but it's not looking great for them at all. Um, it's also not looking great for them in terms of this match individually. The market thinks Wolves will bounce back pretty comfortably. They've got a, a short price of one point five zero seven. That means Pinnacle's giving them a sixty-six percent chance of the win uh fulham just a 13 percent chance with their odds of 7.64 um and interestingly though it's it's one here as well where it's a low total or lower than than say the market average at two and 2.5 so maybe the suggestion here is that it's just going to be one of those controlling comfortable win for wolves two nil something like that but but what do you think jake
1: yeah i can i can see that i can see that happening um i think that the main piece of value is going to come in the wolves win um I think the price is, although it's sure, I do think it's very generous for um, a team that we think are a top six contenders playing against Cannon Fodder. Basically, um, I think what do you say? There's 66% chance of a Wolves win. We've got them at 72%. So um, decent value there in, in just getting um, Nuno's side, uh, you know, on side. Um, yeah, it's been a strange week really for Wolves. Obviously. We both agreed that they looked okay in in, in patches against Manchester City and created some problems for for, uh, Guardiola's team. But to go to West Ham and be beaten so convincingly was um, slightly worrying. I think that the fact that there was a few new faces in there perhaps had an effect on that. Obviously, um, in particular, Nelson Samedo, who just been brought in from Barcelona, slotting in there at right wing-back. I think he had a tough time on on his debut. Uh, In terms of him for goals player ratings, he was rated as as Wolves' worst player on the day. So that doesn't really bode well for him moving forward. But um, I I, I like the signing just just purely because it gets Adama Traore a bit further up the pitch. And I think that we will see Samedo settle in a little bit more. Um, And let's be honest, Fulham aren't exactly as as gifted as as West Ham in terms of attacking talent in particular. Um, They've really struggled to create chances. 0.8 0.8 against Aston Villa in in what you know pre-season would arguably have been down as a as a relegation six-pointer. Many people had Villa down as in a bottom three or bottom four. Villa went there and absolutely hammered them. Um, you know even against Leeds, they created just 1.1 expected goals if you discount the Mitrovic penalty. And obviously against Arsenal, I think they managed maybe two shots from distance at 0.2 expected goals. So um, real issues for them both ends of the pitch. And actually I can't see anything other than a Wolves win, really. I would be massively surprised if Fulham got a result. Um, you know, you pointed that out earlier, the fact that Fulham obviously lost in the cup as well to the team that they beat in the playoff final. And I think that um, you know, if the FA or, or sorry, if the Premier League could maybe swap those two teams out, we might get a more competitive relegation fight. But um, unfortunately for Fulham, it looks as though they're gonna be in the mire all season, just like West Brom. So yeah, Wolves to win is the main bet. Like you said, the goal line is is fairly low, as you would expect with a Wolves game. But the over two and a half is making a little bit of an appeal at, at odds against. I don't see any reason why um, Wolves can't win this quite handily. I mean, Arsenal and, um, and Aston Villa both put three past them with ease, really. Um, and I could see Wolves getting their confidence back up with a, a really convincing victory. So over two and a half is also a, a play that I would put forward and, you know, I was looking at this earlier, The uh, a little bit more of a niche market, but Wolves to win to nil, I think, is around 2.2. And our model makes that around even money. So um, Wolves to win to nil, we've got both teams to score. As obviously, both teams to score no is a, is a huge value play in that regard. So Wolves to win to nil is, is probably one of my favourite bets of the week, really, um, just purely because Fulham do look pretty hopeless and, and Wolves... Um, they're probably gonna be a little bit more cautious in this game after what happened in the last match, but um I do expect them to to get a very comfortable win in the end.
0: Yeah, I can certainly agree with that. Sounds on on paper to to look like a great bet, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um we'll get on to Manchester United Tottenham and, and now we've got Pinnacle's highlight game. Um there was plenty of choice this week, but there's just been so much betting interest on this one already that that we had to put it down as our highlight fixture. Um Manchester United they started sluggish against Palace and they didn't really look much better against Brighton. They really got away with one there and and they I think if they don't perform now for the third league game in a row people are going to start start asking questions. We kind of said earlier about Frank Lampard and gets a bit silly after a couple of games, but I think that's the nature of the Premier League now and I don't know if if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has kind of got it in him to to kind of maintain that fourth position. They're obviously in the Champions League now as well. Things are going to get a lot tougher for them there. Um, Tottenham, they've had a real mixed bag as well. That that tough game against Everton that we spoke about, it was pretty close. I mean, I was really disappointed with Spurs, but Everton kind of controlled the game in that one. It, it looked like it could have been a draw on paper and, and by the the underlying numbers, but it was just Tottenham just didn't look at it. Um then they had a crazy 5-2 win against Southampton where seemingly every every shot they hit on target when it went in. Um, and that was actually a little bit closer than that scoreline suggests. I think they gave up plenty of chances to Southampton as well. They then dominated Newcastle and, and put up over three and a half expected goals, but somehow ended up drawing it 1-1 after a last minute penalty. This is, I mean, it feels like a really big game for both sides. One that that neither of them are going to want to lose. Pinnacle has got United as just about odds on at 1.39, uh, 1.934, so that's a, a 51% chance for them. Um, Tottenham get a 24% chance of the win according to Pinnacle's odds, and, and you've got a draw at 3.74. Um, interesting to see a little bit of a bump in the total as well. It's up to 2.5 and 3. Betters are all for the under at the moment, so that, could, that set mark could potentially come back down. Highlight game, Jake. No pressure. What are you thinking?
1: yeah i'm thinking goals i i really think that this could be quite a high scoring game i know we've seen um a few of those between these two teams recently and obviously um in their respective games against other opponents obviously united coming off the back of a, a 3-1 and a 3-2 spurs have had a, a a 5-2 a 1-1 that probably could have been 3 or 4-1 um and i do think that you know we we haven't seen the best of either of these two teams just yet i think um, in particular, Manchester United were uh, really poor out of the blocks against Palace. Um, not much better against Brighton. Uh, to think that they went off odds-on favourites for that game was was crazy, really. And Got given a uh, a gift by the, the VAR gods um, after full-time to pick up a undeserved three points, losing the XG battle 2.9 to 1.9. Um, it has to be said, though, they went back there in the Carabao Cup, albeit with changes made, and, and won very comfortably. Um I do think that what we will see eventually from this Man United team is is that of a top four contender or top four finisher. I think that the no pre- lack of pre-season, the really late finish to the 19-20 season um, has really ultimately sucked a bit of life out of them. And, and I do think that they will be better for every game that they play. Um, they've, they've lacked that zip, that tenacity, um, that almost looks like match fitness and sharpness. My Brighton in particular last week looked so much fitter and sharper than than Manchester United. And I think that that only comes by playing um, football matches. So uh, I'm expecting more from United. In terms of attacking numbers, they've been pretty poor so far this season. 1.1 non-penalty expected goals against Brighton. 1.3 against Crystal Palace. I mean, to put up just 2.4 non-penalty expected goals against those two opponents is, is really disappointing. Uh, and obviously defensively they they look calamitous at the moment. um they're not settled. uh it is a little bit of a worry. I do think that they'll they'll sort it out as i have said, but they, you know, spurs are probably going to be licking their lips at, at the fact at the thought of playing against this manchester united defence and um you know, you can't discount united's attack even though they have put up poor numbers so far. they've got excellent individuals that are more than capable of creating anything uh and and you know, scoring from anywhere on the day. um the likes of rashford, marshall, greenwood Fernandes, Pogba. Um, so yeah, I, I can see Man United scoring a couple here. I can all, also see them conceding a couple, and that that goes for Spurs as well. Um, yeah, barring the game against Everton on the opening day, I think they've been they've been pretty good. They had well, now I'd probably say barring the game against Everton and the 45 minutes against Southampton. So around 135 minutes of the season um, so far, they've been rank average, if not really poor. Um, and then. At, the second half against Southampton and the ninety minutes against Newcastle, they were excellent. Um, I think they, they won the second half XG battle against Southampton. I think it was uh, well, if you just, if you don't count Danny Ings' penalty, it's like zero point two to uh, two point one in Tottenham's favour. So it was a really dominant second half display. And obviously you know, against Newcastle, they they racked up three and a half XG, which is not something that we've seen a lot from Jose Mourinho Tottenham team. Uh, but it's something i would quite happily watch every week um for them to be as attack minded and, and as creative De- again though the, the defensively they do look a little bit vulnerable I, i'm not 100% sold on on you know eric Dyer in particular as a center half um i think Reggion's a fantastic signing i think that, that that will prove a really good really good decision in the long run um and obviously Doherty's coming at right back so there is there is quite a lot of change in there and um uh, I think they are moving in the right direction. They've done, obviously, business in the attacking area, bringing in Gareth Bale, who is a really exciting player. Um, so, yeah, things are moving in a positive direction for Spurs. The only worry I have for them in this game is uh, is the fact that this is their fourth match in seven days, which is incredible, really. Um, they played Newcastle last Sunday. They played Chelsea on Tuesday, Maccabi Haifa on uh, Thursday, and now they're playing Manchester United on Sunday. So, their players could be absolutely knackered by this game. Mourinho has done his best to rotate obviously Uh, and I think the most important thing for Spurs is that they've progressed in both of those cup competitions which uh, you know we all know that Mourinho loves a good cup competition uh, to win and get the season started so yeah I think that both of these teams have got obvious defensive weaknesses both of these teams boast incredible attacking talent Um, and I do think that the fact that Manchester United in particular look a little bit off it at the moment due to the fact that they're probably a week behind quite a few teams due to the late finish. Um, and Spurs, obviously, they could be out on their feet given the, the really unbelievable schedule that they've been given to start the season with cup games in midweek and uh, on a Tuesday and, and then a Europa League game on a Thursday for the last two or three weeks. So I think that we could see some sloppy defending because of that and I think that we could see some um, you know goals as a result. So, yeah, for me, over two and a half, um, I, don't, I think it's around 1.85, 1.9. Uh, The model makes it a little bit shorter, about 1.67, 1.756%. So, yeah, I I really think that we could see quite a few goals and and a fair few fireworks in this. Um, In terms of the 1x2, the model's made Manchester United as as a value favourite, which I'm not too sure I'm buying into just yet. I think I've seen enough from this Tottenham team to suggest that they can go there, get a result, maybe a 2-2 draw or something. But... You know, if you were thinking about backing Manchester United, the XG model does back that up and thinks that they are the value play. Um, and you know, I think it all depends what sort of condition Spurs are in on the day.
0: Just what we wanted to hear, Jake. We didn't want to go the same as you, and, and Pinnacle has actually gone with Manchester United as their prediction. So it's always nice to know as well that the info goal is backing that up too.
1: Yeah, yeah, we we are on Manchester United's side in this one, and uh it's just personally i've not seen enough that I like from United just yet to to get on board with them at, at you know what what is a fairly short price i think the the these two met i think it was in january last year uh, or well still the same year isn't it um and I think man United went off around two point six on that day, so the fact that they're around even money one point nine one is yeah i I don't think there's too much of a gulf between these two teams, and I don't think that that gulf has widened in the in the space of time that that obviously January to now
0: we'll have to wait and see. have to wait and see, yeah. Right, Aston Villa versus Liverpool, last but not least. And I think maybe, and this is another classic case, where Villa have, have probably surprised a few people this season in terms of their results. Two wins from two, it looks great. Not a goal conceded yet. However, you do have to think that they've played against Sheffield United, who had 10 men for a good hour. They also missed a penalty in that match as well. They've played the Fulham side that we're kind of. I feel bad for Fulham because we keep kind of <laughs> <laughs> whipping boys or their rollovers or whatever yeah. it might be. But that's we've got to base it on what we've seen so far, and that is anyone who kind of beats Fulham now. I think you have to kind of think about it in in kind of context of where they where they've been to start the season. Um, but to also give Aston Villa their credit, they they controlled the the game against Fulham. Maybe part of the, the result against Sheffield United was part of the game plan, but look, they got the result and let's kind of see how they get on moving forward. Liverpool have, have started this season at the level that that we kind of expect from them now. They look as good as ever. If anything, they look they look like they can improve on last season. I mean, the stats that are coming out about kind of Mo Salah at the start of the season have been quite ridiculous. Um, they've also made some additions to the team in terms of Thiago and Jota. Um a little bit of extra depth for them now in case one of those big names get injured. I think with Liverpool, it's just if if Mane and Salah are on the pitch, you feel like Liverpool are almost guaranteed to score against anyone. And when they're so solid at the back, it's games like this, and it's it's no surprise to see them, the shortest on the board for all the odds, 1.332. If anyone deserves it, it's Liverpool, but it is a 75% chance of making it four wins from four. It also means that Aston Villa are given just a ten percent chance of main, maintaining their perfect start with odds of ten point zero five, and then you've obviously got the remaining fifteen percent on the draw. The total is sat on three. Everyone seems to be on the over at the moment. Is there anything in this market for you that kind of stands out that that should interest betters, Jake?
1: Yeah, um, I'm looking at the, the both teams to score is as the main area that we found a, a, a you know a fair bit of value. We're at fifty seven percent chance of both teams to score markets are around fifty-one, fifty-two. So there's a decent bit of value there, and yeah, it is always going to be difficult to to score against this Liverpool team. But you know, we, we saw Arsenal. I know that they were absolutely hammered on Monday night, but they they did get in a few decent positions by exploiting Liverpool's really high line. Um, and I, I think that Aston Villa really do have the players to do that um, and do something similar. I think Ollie Watkins. More than capable of of playing on the shoulder. Obviously, Grealish when he's dribbling with the ball and driving past players, he's more than capable of slotting through. You know whether it is Watkins or Trezeguet perhaps, um, or Bertrand Torre, the other new signing. Um, And you know they have options now. They've just brought in Ross Barkley, who I think is a really good signing for them. Uh, More than capable again of of playing a a defence-splitting pass. So yeah, I do think that Villa can can. Not going to say hurt Liverpool, but I think they can get on the board against Liverpool. I think Liverpool will eventually win this. Quite comfortably, Um, I think the the price that you quoted there for Liverpool is a little bit too short. Um, Our model makes them around sixty one percent favourites. So if anything, there's money, there's value in in opposing them, but I'm definitely not going to recommend that after what I've seen so far. I think they'd be an excellent Liverpool. Um, Obviously, we spoke about it earlier in the pod. The fact that they're now favourites for the Premier League title, I think that's hundred percent justified. The the performance against Leeds was. Um, they were a little bit slow out of the bot out of the blocks, but um, ultimately comfortably won the XG battle. It was a very clinical display on the day from from Leeds against Chelsea. I thought they were looking dangerous, even even though uh, with the eleven men on the pitch for for Chelsea, and then obviously when the man got sent off, Christensen for what could only be described as a American football tackle, um, they just really just trod on Chelsea and and you know kept stomping up and down on them, creating whenever they wanted to. Uh, and then, yeah, the game against Arsenal, I think many people had that down as a potential banana skin, given what Arsenal have done to them in the last two matches or two meetings in the league and obviously the community shield. But um, they really did wipe the floor with Arsenal. I thought their, their intensity and, and the game plan in particular was excellent. So uh, I've got no doubts really about this being a Liverpool win. As I've said, I, I think that Villa are capable of getting on the score sheet Um Exploiting what is a, a very dangerous and, and high line. I think um, obviously we will remember Monday night football, Klopp versus Keane, sloppy versus risky. Um, I'm more on the risky side. Uh, you know, calculated risk. They, the reason that they play such a high line is to again force the, the turnovers in, in the opposition half. So um, you know, you're going to get caught out once or twice, but it does play into the overall game plan, which is Liverpool winning the ball high up the pitch creating chances that way. So, yeah, I think Villa can catch them out maybe once, uh, but I do think Liverpool will win this quite comfortably. But both teams' score is a value play. And, and like you said, the goal line is is on the um, you know heading towards the over two and a half. And uh, the model's pretty much in, in line with what the market is, is saying at the minute.
0: Well, there we go. So many great games this weekend, it feels like. Plenty of opportunity out there for betters as well. Thanks for coming on and, and helping our listeners look for the value, Jake. A pleasure chatting to you as always.
1: Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Ben. we get a little week off, don't we, next week with the international break. So, um, yeah, enjoy the
0: Premier League this weekend while you can. Uh, Yeah, a well-earned rest, I think. Um, (laughs) Thank you to everyone for listening. Do make sure that you visit infogold.net, follow at InfoGold app on Twitter, and download the app on iOS and Android to make use of their data and help inform your predictions. There's also plenty of articles on Pinnacle's betting resources and you can also follow at Pinnacle on Twitter for even more content to help empower your betting. All of the odds that we've discussed today are on Pinnacle.com. Best of luck with any bets and remember to always gamble responsibly.